Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to take a look at the astrology of February 2022. Um, I'm really excited to be back at it after having to uh, miss last week due to the um, recovery process uh, after a surgery that I had on Monday of last week. A lot of people wrote, wrote me really nice uh, recovery, you know, get well wishes and letters and things like that. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys. Um, I thought it was only going to keep me down for a couple of days. I was like, oh, I'll probably be back by midweek. <laughs> I was just laid out all week. Uh, so I started feeling a little bit better over the weekend, thankfully, and I'm glad to be back at it today. Hope you guys had a nice week. Excited to talk about the astrology of February. So let's get into it. Here's the real time clock. And February's astrology is really dynamic. And if I had to put it into a word, I would say uh, it's Uranian, the moon cycle. We're going to be taking a look at this more in depth tomorrow when we take a look at the new moon in Aquarius that's coming through on February 1st. But this new moon to start the month is super Uranian. It's squaring Uranus very closely. And uh, we're going to see that um, Uranus plays a big role in some of the key uh, lunation phases of the month as well. So I'll kind of show you how that goes. But I, I think Uranian is a good uh, planetary keyword for the month of February. I would also say that Mars is in the spotlight this month. We have an exalted Mars in Capricorn, making a lot of pretty productive aspects, especially the first half of the month. Um, I think those are some of the standout transits of the month as well. Um, but this month, um, the moon cycle, in my opinion, sort of steals the show. The other major aspect of the month, in my mind, is Jupiter in Pisces, making a sextile with Uranus and Taurus. That's a really exciting one, too. But anyway, let's walk through it start to finish and um, take a look at each of them blow by blow, you know, sort of day by day. So uh, blow by blow. So it's a very Mars. It's a Mars month already. All right. So here on February 1st, I want to bring your attention to the new moon in Aquarius. Now I'm going to back this up by just some hours so you can see how closely this new moon is actually going to sit with regard to Uranus. So here's the new moon at 12 Aquarius and it is squaring Uranus and Taurus. Now Uranus and Saturn are about five degrees apart. They came in close contact at the very end of December, 2021 and, um, and made their, their last perfect square this is sort of revitalizing or re re reviving that square a little bit, this new moon cycle with the, considering the proximity to Uranus and Saturn, sort of new moon sitting right in between both of them in terms of uh, its body being really close to the bodies being really close to Saturn rays hitting really close to Uranus. So, um, you know, some of the Saturn Uranus dy dy dynamism that we saw toward the very end of the year is likely returning a little bit this month. What does that mean? Well, generally speaking, I would say that the theme of needing to face uh, barriers or limitations and to seek uh, innovation and solution to uh, problems, that's going to be a big theme this month, a way of um, restructuring, reordering, uh, breaking out of old habits and patterns, also looking at defiant, resistant, rebellious themes uh, with Uranus in the mix. And also principled, incremental, principled, deliberate, cautious, um, but but revolutionary steps that we're taking in different areas of our lives right now. That's the Saturn-Uranus combination that we look at the inventiveness and eccentric, sudden, disruptive qualities of Uranus. And we say, let's make sure that they're sort of mature and serious and that we're moving step by step, that there's sort of 
incremental sense of revolution and awakening, uh, thanks to the grounding effect of Saturn, you could say. So this cycle uh, being closer, really the, the square to Uranus is slightly closer than the conjunction with Saturn. Not that it matters so much, but I would look at this and say, there's going to be the need to reinvent or recreate something this month. And, uh, and then there's going to be question about how to implement that in the most mature, grounded, structured way. Uh, I would also see this like, for example, I would see this new moon almost as the image of someone getting a reconstructive surgery on their knee. You know, it's like a, like reshaping um, a basic foundational structure, like a, like a bone and joints and things like that. Um, and then having to learn how to walk again. So there's almost like uh, the idea of re rehabbing something, structurally changing something, but then having to sort of kind of remake it and be temporarily set back in the process. Um, it's also about the, the two steps forward, one step back motif of, of Saturn and Uranus in general this month. So a lot of that in the air. Here's why I think that this is more, probably more positive and more about breakthroughs. And, and because we've had a lot of Saturn and Uranus checking each other for the past year. I think this month, you're going to see a lot of big steps forward, generally speaking, though, because of the presence of Mars and Capricorn. So I'll get to that in just a second. The other thing that's happening early in the month that's worth noticing, which goes along with this new moon theme, is uh, when you get to February 3rd, you're going to notice that Mercury is stationing. Now, Mercury I, I basically experienced Mercury's conjunction to Pluto last week, all week. I was, I was like, that was my week last, last week. I was totally not anticipating how personally that one would hit me in my own chart, posing my son. And, um, and that was very like, uh, laying in bed, I was laying in bed, writing haikus last week. I was so bored. Anyway, I finally was able to start like moving around and stuff like that over the weekend. Okay. So, uh, Mercury stationing and turning direct by February uh, 3rd. So that's pretty early on in the month here. That's gonna be Thursday of this week that, that Mercury is turning direct. Now, as it turns direct, you're also then seeing something of a recovery. You're seeing, look, we've got Mercury, Mars, Venus, all as morning stars out in front of the sun right now in the early morning. Um, that, is a, that is a strong, it feels like a, strong intentional energy remember that morning stars are very young and they, they tend to push energy from the center outward like a trumpet you know so there's a lot of very expressive assertive energy coming through them now what i like so much about this is that when you look at these three planets you're saying okay well mars and venus have one of the signatures of mars venus conjunctions is cooperation where there is conflict or um, bringing allies together in order to tackle a project or a task or a, or a problem, uh, conflict resolution, diplomacy, um, sometimes erotic and creative tension. Okay, so Venus has turned direct. That happened recently. Uh, let's see, just so we back up, because I would have been doing that last week if I had been here. Uh, but Venus turned, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, Venus was turning direct on uh, Sunday, January 30th, yesterday. And so we have this moment of Venus turning direct, which is now uh, being followed this week by Mercury turning direct, both now as morning stars, co-present in the same sign. Um, having gone through the, the 
retrograde with Pluto, there's a lot of stuff that comes up for us to see, for us to understand, for us to review. And then you have the opening of this new moon with Uranus, the idea of innovation and awakening and moving forward. And then all three of these planets in morning star positions, Venus and Mercury having turned direct. So there's a momentum shift here that's happening. And it's very much about starting to implement and move forward with things. Now, could it be a little impatient or reckless? Or could this energy be a little almost like just throw yourself into something and see what happens? Yes, it could be. But I don't think it'll work out negatively. There's an exalted Mars here, which tends to mean that things can be very effective. And then if we go forward a little bit in the month, look at what's happening by February 4th. So on February 4th, just after Mercury has turned direct, then exalted Mars is going to hit a sextile with uh, Jupiter, a, a very well-dignified Jupiter in Pisces. And both of these planets are now moving into an engagement with the same revolutionary Uranus. So Mars-Jupiter sextiles are very, very effective. You're talking about the sort of allies, friendships, collaborations. Um, you're talking about uh, energies that come in to support, expand, to be effective and to, uh, it's task oriented. It can be a little, almost like a military captain or someone, you know, like, um, like a boot camp instructor or something like that. But this is also about effective, forward-moving, practical, productive energy that's receiving the boost, the good fortune, the blessings of Jupiter, and both are moving toward Uranus, that planet of awakening and revolution. So there's this kind of like, it almost feels like, you know, the rush you get in spring, except for in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the middle of winter. Um, but there's that, that quality of energy is sort of in the air. At any rate, um, so watch on, for from the first through the fourth of the month, there's just a just a, a, a pretty like um, kind of like a big wave of energy of positive momentous energy coming through. So, okay. So uh, let's go ahead to February, uh, another transit on February 4th. A lot of it comes in, a lot of the biggest transits of the month come in the first 10 days of the month or so uh, at any rate. So here is the sun coming into a conjunction with Saturn. Now, for me, the Sun-Saturn conjunction's most positive signification usually has to do with the uh, creative crystallization of something, where if Saturn can grant that sense of um, forming something specific, and it's often, remember with Saturn, it's going to be like a choice where you have to define something in contrast to what it is not, So it's, but it's about select is selecting something or making something specific or um, determining what something will be by having to make the hard choice of what it won't be. Uh, but in that sense, creative crystallization, a, a limiting of focus, a selecting and narrowing and um, uh, sort of like calcifying, but in a creatively unique, specific kind of way. To me, that's the, that's the most positive. The negative here would be, okay, we, we see that at the outset of this moon cycle, we've got Saturn Uranus kind of being reactivated with one another. Is it possible that we're trying to move forward with something so intensely um, that, that there's some rigidity around it, that there's some lack of flexibility, that there's something a little extreme and inflexible about the way we're trying to do something? I would say that's a shadow of, of the early part of this month. The Sun-Saturn conjunction can also be about a kind of... Um, idealistic, uh, uncompromising, rigid, or dogmatic 
um, perspective or idea or approach to something. I would also look for the karma around fathers, authority figures, grandfathers, uh, authority figure could be masculine, feminine, it doesn't matter, you know, who, but the sun Saturn will often bring up men or um, grandfathers or fathers or sort of um, images of male authority figures, but anyone who has uh, some sense of authority, wisdom, mastery, expertise, and some kind of encounter with such a person or figure. For example, you're having to <clears throat> get something done, you have to speak to a lawyer or make sure the county gives you a permit to build something. There could be some hurdle that has to be uh, jumped over early on in this month, also where someone says yes to something or they could say no to something. And how are we dealing with that? Or how are we going to um, work with a no if a no comes back or having to make discriminate between things or say that yes to this, but no to something else. So watch for the sun conjoining with Saturn on February 4th. Now we go forward just a little bit further to February 8th. And it's uh, Mars in Capricorn now, exalted Mars in Capricorn, traveling very closely with Venus. So very productive, harmonizing, um, and effective Mars energy, still picking up the sextile from Jupiter. So really nice looking Mars right here. Now it's making a trine to Uranus in Taurus, same day that the moon will be exalted in Taurus. So here is that uh, kind of, and I'll just, back, I'll just move this forward a few hours so you can see it get to 11 degrees here. So they're going to come together very um, quickly here. The morning of February 8th, that's Tuesday, February 8th, uh, Mars trines Uranus. And you get this feeling, Mars-Uranus trines are usually about, um, uh, you know, standing up for something, taking a risk. Uh, it's about assertive energy that has kind of a progress, risk-taking, breaking the mold kind of energy behind it. Um, this is also potentially kind of a machismo, a bravado, I don't care what you think, damn the man kind of energy, but it's effective and it's, it, it's going to get stuff done. And it's not, it's not blind to the need for harmony, considering that it's about to conjoin with Venus. It's almost, his body is almost joined with Venus. So, and it's trying Uranus in Venus's sign. So there's some kind of makeover here, you could say, that's going to, it needs to take place. You have the, the sense of how to harmonize something, how to make something look good, how to make other people happy, but also how to, you know, very Mars and Capricorn sort of get shit done. That's, that's the kind of energy that this transit brings. Again, I think this is all very much in service to the original signature of the moon cycle, which is this new moon uh, squaring Uranus, which really strikes me as um, the momentum and the impetus to do something different and to break free of some kind of constraint or limitation. So these are the archetypes as I'm seeing them anyway. Let's go forward to February 14th, another, in my mind, important day in the month. Now, so I say the first, you know, eight days or so of the new, um, of the new month in this early part of the new moon cycle is very dynamic. I think that's probably the most dynamic part of the month. But then you go to February 14th, and we're going to see Mercury ingress back into Aquarius. Um, Mercury will pass back over the conjunction with Pluto. Um, that's February 11th. So um, between, say, the 11th and the 14th, you're going to see a pretty significant change from Mercury once again, get that um, 
potential for, you know, um, the, the deeper, heavier, more dynamic communication, um, the insights that come from dreams, uh, that the, the under the underworld or subterranean energies coming through the, the desire or impulse to, um, so for example, when Mercury was, when Mercury was retrograde passing through Pluto, I suddenly felt this overwhelming urge to write haikus. So I was writing haikus in bed. I was writing about astrological things, uh, yogic things. And I was, cause I was really sort of, I couldn't move much, but I couldn't really sit up even much. So at any rate, um, I just thought that's interesting that Mercury is coming through a conjunction with Pluto and this deep uh, impulse to get at these kind of timeless, invisible, enigmatic thoughts through the form of haiku, which if you don't know, it's five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables, and this, this kind of almost like a sutra. They're very beautiful. I find that if you, even if you just play with it, you don't have to be an expert at writing them. If you just play with writing haikus, you, you'll often find that uh, the form itself, it just lends itself to um, deep stuff coming up from the underworld. The other thing that was really interesting about this for me was, um, so I'll just tell you guys a story about Mercury Pluto that happened to me last week. I told my class this over the weekend too. Um, so I was, you know, when I, one of the things I was really worried about, and I'll just turn off the uh, screen for now. One of the things I was really, you know, worried about was the anesthesia, like, you know, going under anesthesia is just scary. You know, there's probably a really small chance you're not going to wake up. Right. But you know, you never know. This is the last time I'm going to see my girls, you know, my wife, like, you know, it's just, just it's a little scary. So I was trying to chant, you know, I was trying to like uh, do my chanting, but they took my beads away from me. Obviously I couldn't have my beads. So I was like, all right. So I'm just trying to chant and, um, and you know, the medicines they're putting the medicine in or whatever. And the guy, the guys were talking to me, these two guys, they're wheeling me down the hall and they're like, yo, you know, anesthesia is not in yet. This is just a medicine. It's going to kind of relax you. You're not going to care really where you're going next. And I was like, okay. And, um, something about the way they said it felt, um, to me like, well, I do care where I'm going next ultimately, you know, and that's the, the moment of losing consciousness in your body is really important in yoga philosophy in terms of, um, <clears throat> your last thoughts and focus being on God. And, uh, and, um, that just, just that making sure that your, um, so it's a sort of like you're on a launch pad, you know, it's like making sure you've got the right trajectory. So, and so, um, so at any rate, they, they asked me, um, what, what do you do for a living or something like that? And I didn't want to say that I'm an astrologer because I, you know, frankly, I really grow tired of, of watching, ushering people through their reactions to me being something that they don't understand or that they think is really interesting or whatever. Just when you say it all the time, it, get, it can get old. So I was like, well, uh, um, I teach yoga. My wife and I have owned a yoga studio for, you know, 10 years. I just thought, you know, that's a little easier thing that I just wanted going into surgery, I say something that'll be a little easier for them to digest so that I don't have to deal with something difficult, right? As I'm literally losing consciousness. And they go, yoga, these two men, yoga. And the guy looks at me and he goes, I think I might need some yoga in my life. Something like that. That was like literally the last thing that I remembered hearing before I went under. And then when I came out, um, the very first thing that I remember, there was someone that's asking me how I felt in my body or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm okay. And then the, I, my wife was sitting there and, oh, my wife's here, you know? And then, um, 
uh, immediately this, um, there might've been a transition actually. And immediately I was waking up in a recovery room where my wife wasn't there. They asked me how I was doing. I was like, I'm just really tired and I'm, I'm glad I'm okay or something like that. And then the next thing I remember was being in this room, my wife was sitting there and this, um, like, uh, yeah, it was a nurse and she was saying, so she looks at me and it's like the first thing I remember, she goes, so, uh, you guys teach yoga. And, uh, and then she started talking about how her daughters into yoga and stuff like that. So anyway, I was laying in bed. This is when Mercury was coming into contact with Pluto and I was sitting there. Right. And I was like kind of hypnagogic, you know, in a lot of pain or whatever. And I was saying to myself, I'm, I'm really upset that I didn't, that I didn't just ignore those guys, you know, and stick to my chanting. You know what I mean? Like I should have just said, I'm just going to try to chant or I'm just going to try to focus on my mantra right now. Who cares what they think, you know, just do what you need to do. And, um, and I was having this kind of like, I was just being hard on myself. And I said, you know, I'm a, a lot, but just as in Buddhism, you know, the, the, the Tibetan book of the dead, the, the way that the soul is ushered through the bardos, when you're facing unconsciousness and the, the body lights are about to go out and the spirit light is about to make its transition. Um, you know, that's what, that's what we chant for. That's a big part of uh, that transition is considered very important the way we tend to it. So I was trying to be, you know, mindful and I was being hard on myself for what didn't feel like it. And all of a sudden, I, I swear to God, I felt like, you know, my higher, my little higher daimon or my guide or the paramatma in my heart or Krishna or whoever just suddenly gave me like a little insight and said, you know what? The last thing that you talked about before you went under was yoga. And the first thing that you talked about when you came out on the other side was yoga that's just as good. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even think of that. I'm telling you the story, right? But I hadn't even put it together that the last thing I said was talking to yoga about to these guys and this guy going like, I should do yoga. And then on the flip side, waking up and this woman being like, you guys do yoga? My daughter does yoga. So at any rate, that is all brought to you by Mercury Pluto. And the fact that Mercury is going to go back through its conjunction with Pluto. So writing haikus started because I uh, suddenly I realized that there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there is this weird way in which um, we are guided in ways we don't even understand. Grace, mercy are around us, and it's almost never by our effort, you know? So it was this really nice lesson. And I just let started letting it was as though that opened something that little realization that yoga had been there before and after and that it was a little metaphor for what death is like um that we're all going to potentially end up you know a lot of us will probably end up with ivs in us and beeping heart monitors next to us at some point in our lives um maybe as we die and that we can have prepared ourselves for that moment the best we can. And we also have to trust that grace and mercy will be there. So my mind is having all these little insights and all of a sudden this desire to write haikus about my experience um, came through and uh, I just started, and then I just started writing them. They sort of just sort of pouring out. And so that was Mercury Pluto. Okay. So that's my little Mercury Pluto story. I have no idea what it, how it showed up for you guys. I can't wait to read the stories. Remember, use that hashtag grabbed, hashtag grabbed Mercury Pluto. Tell me your story. What happened last week or on February 11th of this month as we see Mercury come back through Pluto? Um, how will Mercury speak? What 
enigmas will it bring up from that um, underworld space? Uh, Mercury is the guide of the soul, the one that brings us in and out of Hades, in and out of the process of death and rebirth. Mercury is the psychopomp, the soul guide. So this visitation from Mercury gave me that little insight that now you know what you're chanting somehow uh, you, you didn't chant, you didn't manage to chant as you went under, but somehow yoga still came out and whatever your practice or religious approach might be. I just hope you understand that, um, that this, the, the essence of what I'm saying about Mercury Pluto is that this, these, these deep, profound messages and insights and, uh, poetry and, and the mysterious ways of the mind, this messenger of souls, uh, Mercury hitting Pluto again on the 11th. I think that's a really interesting sort of, um, what do I want to say? Like a, um, a little question mark in the midst of, uh, the, the transits of February, look at what's, what it's happening as it's happening. Look at the same time. What it's, what is, what else is happening? Uh, Mars and Venus are getting together in a conjunction. I feel that Mercury is brokering some kind of deal. There is some, um, some, something, what do I want to say? Because Venus, obviously Venus and Mars are, can bring things together, whether it's in love and sex and creativity in, in business arrangements, uh, in marriage and friendship, they tend to be a harmonizing force, the two of them coming together in, in union at the same time that enigmatic Mercury Pluto conjunction is taking place. So what, what kinds of deep stuff coming up to serve the process of Venus Mars coming together in this month. I think that's a fascinating part of February. So at any rate, uh, <clears throat> love to hear your guys' stories too. So please make sure you use that hash. If you don't want to write them in the chat box, by the way, you can email them to us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. All right. So, uh, where am I in my notes here? So then Mercury ingresses into Aquarius on, um, February 14th, uh, get a little shift back into a very airy Mercury after a nice long period in, in Capricorn through the retrograde. Um, on February 16th, then right after Valentine's Day, by the way, right around Valentine's Day, we've got this uh, Venus Mars dynamic coming through. So here they are conjoining. And what I find really interesting about this is that this is not your typical conjunction. Why? Because look who's doing the conjoining. It is Mars doing the conjoining. Mars is moving faster than Venus. This is a very rare thing for Mars to be moving faster than Venus. This is thanks to Venus picking up speed again after its um, retrograde. And Mars is going to pass over Venus. That's rare. So <clears throat> when I look at this and I say Mars passing over Venus, and then what's going to happen later is Venus is going to pass over Mars. So the lovers are having a, just a really interesting back and forth. And um, I think that this is probably mid-February, the, the most you know, um, intense energy of the middle of the month is what is what are, the lovers are coming together creatively, again, in business, at work, in relationships, and family, wherever they, they are, their tension is one of uh, bringing conflict into harmony, uh, taking tension and bringing something harmonious out of it. So given that that is what the two of those planets are doing around February 16th, note that um, this is also uh, the time of the full moon. So you're going to see the full moon in Leo at the same time that Venus and Mars are coming together. So this full moon energy 
to me, it's like, okay, if the opening of the cycle has this signature of Saturn Uranus, especially Uranian desire to move forward, um, then there's some like some need to negotiate, figure things out, some interesting energies trying to push everything forward. The feeling of having to reach some state of resolution or agreement in order to accomplish what the new moon cycle sets out to, that seems to be indicated by Venus and Mars coming together around the middle of February. So I really like that uh, conjunction around the, the full moon in Leo. Okay, uh, we go forward from there. And this to me is more evidence of the same. The next day um, on February 17th, then Jupiter and Uranus are coming together in a sextile. So here now you have the god of expansion, growth, abundance, that kind of uh, planet that grants blessings and boons and often creates collaboration and fellowship with other people. Um, that planet Jupiter, well-dignified, is coming into a sextile. Sextiles are of the nature of Venus, very harmonizing energy with Uranus, the god of revolution. So uh, very positive energy. One of the more productive, positive periods of the month. Here, let's refresh. You get a full moon at the same time the lovers are coming together. And at the same time that Jupiter and Uranus, expansion and revolution, are meeting each other in a Venusian sextile. So very positive energies in my mind this month when it comes to like breaking out of a slump, changing the narrative, moving forward, uh, and things like that. Okay, so the sun will um, enter Pisces uh, around February 18th, and then um, leaving Aquarius behind, we now start shifting. There's a, going to be a lot of focus on the sign of Pisces, uh, not only late in February, but into March and then April, especially. So by the time we hit late February, all the way through April, there's a huge amount of focus coming through the sign of Pisces, Jupiter, Neptune conjunction in Pisces. A lot of planets going to start to end up, uh, will be moving through Pisces by from late February through April. Okay, so a couple more really positive transits uh, this month from Mars. On the 23rd of the month, you're going to see Mars in Capricorn making a sextile to Neptune in Pisces. Uh, so another, I think, overall very positive transit for Mars. Right after this, then you see Venus going through the sextile with Neptune. So uh, that's the 23rd, Mars sextiles Neptune, the 24th, Venus sextiles Neptune. Um, both of these, again, you, you find the energy of harmony in the air generally because of a Venus-Mars conjunction. With an exalted Mars, that's going to get stuff done. That harmony is very effective. That sense of agreement and accord is, is there's a lot of like quick, forward, practical accomplishment energy in the air this month because of the willingness to compromise to um, ease tensions, to see both sides of the story. Uh, and then these hitting, both of these energies hitting Neptune. Uh, okay, the one thing, of course, would be to, you know, some something a little pie in the sky, you know, a little, um, you know, you know, make sure that you're seeing all the details very carefully. I'm not too worried about this, though, because, you know, Mars and Capricorn is, is unless Mars and Capricorn is blinded by the desire to move forward out of just ruthless ambition or, or sort of reckless ambition. And, you know, maybe Mercury and Saturn and Aquarius are just being overly idealistic. And then maybe there's a little diludedness 
little, you know, de delusional. Um, the march toward progress becomes a little delusional with these aspects to Neptune. I'd watch for that a little bit around February 23rd and 4th. But generally speaking, I'm like, I like this. I, I really like this energy this month. To me, this is at the beginning of the year when I did my whole, all of my transits for the year, February was one of the most uplifting months of the year in terms of like successive rapid changes, agreement, working out problems, et cetera. And I'm probably sounding like a broken record now. The other thing that's happening to cap off the month here, along with these very uh, nice sextiles with Neptune, which also, by the way, tends to be romantic, subtle, imaginative. It tends to speak to um, the um, cr creative and, and uh, sexual bonding of people or ideas or uh, resources coming together in a way to serve something bigger. There's a sense of mission and vision and what's the dream behind things and you're building something. And, and then, you know, what's the other thing happening uh, right here is at the, on the, uh, excuse me, on the 24th, Mercury is going to come through a square with Uranus. So by the way, uh, this is happening on the 24th, right? As Venus is now catching up in speed, move, starting to move faster, and it's about to catch Mars. So you've got the lovers coming back together again. And this time they're coming back together as Mercury is going to hit a square to Uranus. What's so remarkable about this square to Uranus is that this is the degree at which Mercury stationed to turn retrograde uh, when it start, started its retrograde in Aquarius. So and I'm trying to think that was... Uh, uh, January. So the, the point, I think it was, was it January? Am I, am I just, yeah, it was, it was in January. So, um, so Mercury hitting the square to Uranus, here's that moment of breakthrough. Here's the moment of innovation. Here's the moment of, of epiphany or, um, inventiveness. And it's happening as the lovers are coming back together in agreement with this very exalted Mars, both of them hitting sextiles to Neptune, that sense of something bigger than ourselves that we're working toward collaboratively. So there is a lot of this kind of energy repeating, by the way, in March and April, especially April when Jupiter and Neptune come together. So absolutely fantastic. I've already been watching this play out in my own life. Like I wondered, how is this going to play out, <clears throat> for example, and uh Hopefully, in the next few months, uh, I'll be able to make some cool announcements. It looks like we might be, um, you know, being able. We're looks like some of the things that we're going to be building are uh, for Nightlight in terms of our offerings and um, future retreats that we're hoping to offer, we, we, which we've been held back from uh, due to COVID. Um, it looks like we're going to be able to move forward with some of them. So there's just been a, a lot of things, and all of that's been coming through um, really recently. So. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I feel like, uh, February is a really exciting month. Uh, and I don't, I mean, April to me is one of the most like exciting astrological months I've seen in a long time, uh, especially considering the past couple of years and the heavy dose of Saturn that we've had. I love Jupiter and Pisces right now. Love the, the, the contrast of this Jupiter compared to those we've had the past two years. So I think you can already feel that in the air and, um, yeah, so tomorrow we'll start by looking at the new moon in Aquarius that's coming through February 1st. So uh, stay, stay tuned to that. I think we have one talk left in our series on um, misconceptions of the Zodiac. So we will do that as well. If you have any stories to share, 
please use the hashtag grab. If you don't want to leave your story in the comment section about a transit and a story that you have about a transit, you can email us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. Probably be getting some stories again. Glad to be back. Start the recovery process. I still have to wait like another week or two, I guess, before I can get back to the gym. And that part's sort of killing me now. It's like, as soon as I was like, okay, I'm up and I'm like, I'm moving around again and I'm okay. I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to, you know, just, I'm not good. I'm not like a good moon in Capricorn. Like I'm not like good at just like laying down and doing nothing, but I wrote haikus. <laughs> I hope you guys are having a great start to your week and we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye everyone.